teammate, number 12, that's Jim Holly. Running in third, 43 is Mickey Diamond, then Rick Johnson, Keith Bowen, and Jeff Ward. Bob, let's take another look at that first corner crash. Almost to the first corner and everything looks fine. Well, it looks like Healy's bumped somebody, run about five of them off, gone straight, and has fallen himself, and O'Mara's off the track. You're right, O'Mara cut about 30 feet off the track. He ran around the jump, and he'll have a problem if he's caught. Here's the second corner incident, Bob, that involved Holly and Bailey. It looks like Holly has the inside line. Well, he did have the inside. Bailey tried to go underneath, throw him out, intimidate him, get him out of there. Holly's just too big a boy to pull at him. He paid the penalty for that, and that's costly this early in the race. Yes, I don't think I would have done that on the opening lap. He should have saved that for later in the race. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat Re-Raceables podcast. This is 1986 Daytona Supercross. It is a Daytona like no other. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we don't see this nowadays. So we'll get into that and more here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, also, I want to thank the folks at Pro Taper, Maxis, and Scott Goggles, all on board with us for this podcast, and you people for listening. Tell a friend. Subscribe. These are a lot of fun to do. And today's guest is Jim Hawley. Talking about his career best Supercross finish, which was this race, 1986 Daytona. The man gets fourth because he's Jim Hawley, and he's awesome. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, different people ride for different reasons, yet there is a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And this is what Liat offers as a brand, whether it's the neck braces, protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, and more, motocross stuff, mountain bike stuff. But what Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you ever thought you could go. Liat.com. We got a discount code. E email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we'll pass that code on to you, and you can save with Liat. Uh, of course, the Motor Concepts guys running Liat. Uh, Freckle, Mitchell Oldenburg, uh, really, really uh, underrated rider. Running Liat. Vince Freeze, of course, Liat as well. Um, so please check that out. Liat.com for more information. We'll send you the code to save some money. They're a big part of this podcast, and, and we appreciate it. And speaking of Scott, Jim Holly running Scott Goggles in 1986. That gives you an idea of what they've been doing. They've been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. Scott is the global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Scott has always been proud to support racing from grassroots all the way to the pros like Jason Anderson and Pro Circuit, Chad Weenan, Walker Fowler. Those are the off-road dudes. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. We'll talk more about Maxis and Pro Taper. As we get along in this podcast, but uh, yeah, I'm Steve Mathis with me to discuss Daytona 86. Jason Wygant, what's up, Weech? Yeah. Yeah. Now look, I'm going to disappoint people. I know you're saying, oh, the Rick Ryan privateer win. No, that is 1987. Yep. A mud race. I feel like this one, because it wasn't the privateer win, hasn't been discussed or seen as much. But if you go back and watch it, and it is all on YouTube, 
it's an awesome, gnarly race between like all time greats. And honestly, Daytona wasn't always to me doesn't always breed close racing because it's more like a survival. But these are legends, and they are going at it. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I did a podcast with Rick Ryan once, and hell of a nice guy, but um, didn't know where his Daytona trophy was. Didn't really know, you know, wasn't that stoked to win? It didn't seem like so. Yeah, it's maybe it's better we stick to the '86 version. Um, didn't have a lot of details. All that, right, this is yeah. the question though: mm-hmm. Which Daytona? Is Wygant's favorite Daytona because there's been no race. You know, Redbud is uh, tracks changed over the years, but it's still two motos. It's still in in the summer and whatever. And Anaheim is Anaheim. They've changed the stadium, but it's still Anaheim Stadium floor. There's been no race on the circuit that's changed more than Daytona. Uh, so, which Daytona is your favorite? We have the early, early ones that went outside the speedway uh, and 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 went out in the field and came back in. We have. The version that started around 85 until 2003, daytime. Well, actually, no, they changed to daytime, 40 riders in the main, then 30 riders in the main. That was from 85 to 03. By the way, the 03 version, uh, Tim Ferry, podium. Thank you. Uh, And then you have the Daytona at night race. Then you have Daytona at night but very modern Supercross. Dirtworks built the track. Um, we saw some great races with, uh, of course, maybe the 05 version with Chad and, and RC going at it. And now we have Daytona at night, but more retro Daytona RC designing the track. Probably a cross between the mid-80s race and that pure soupy one that we had for a few years. And, and, and then you also have, Weege, the addition of the race kicked off bite week. And then it ended bike week, and that was all in the mix. All of that leads me to my favorite question. What is your favorite Daytona Weech format? What is your favorite? I'm glad you asked. Uh, for sure, you know me, even though I'm doing a podcast about old races, I am never oversold on the retro. Uh, oh, I know. I, I believe that people – Oh, I, I know. I believe that anything that happens when someone's between the ages of, say, 15 and 25 is always the greatest thing that ever happened ever. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean it actually was. It just means it happened when you were between the ages of 15 and 25. So in general, I'm not always the one saying the good old days were always good. And to me, no doubt the atmosphere of the nighttime under the lights and how loud the crowd gets is awesome and a great addition. But when I go back and watch this 86 Daytona, this track is awesome. And I think it leads to better racing. And maybe it's not a fair comparison because, as you mentioned many times, they don't have the same amount of space and conditions to work with as they did 40-some years ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think this track, this 86 track, is rad. Uh, Better than today's track, I think. It's Yeah, it's it looks massive compared to what we have now. The the, the track field looks massive. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. Here's the big difference why the track is better. The problem now is um, it's they try to make it gnarly with the amount of space they have, and they try to build in supercross obstacles. But in the end, I mean, Steve, we've seen it for nine, ten years now. It's really hard to pass. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of doing the same thing, and even though they try to make it rough, it's not quite rough enough where it's leading to like, okay, this line is totally blown out. You have to change, or you're going to make a huge mistake. This 86 one, I don't think anyone has a clean lap ever, right? They're just all making mistakes and ping-ponging every single lap. So you know, it led to yeah. a guy would have a good lap and then a bad lap, and the other guy would, and they would catch each other, and they would fall behind, and they'd pass. Uh, this track is 
to me, one of the best Daytona tracks I've ever seen, this 86 one. What I don't understand is, so I was a mechanic from 97 to 03, old school Daytona in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. This still looks like a bigger field, a bigger a bigger plot of land than I remember from 03 on. It, it can't be, though, right? It, it's got to be in the same spot? This, this is, am I... I mean, neither one no, of us were think, there, but... No, no, no. I, I, I think what you're saying actually does make sense. Why wouldn't, you know, every, say, five or ten years, something happen that would encroach? They add in, you know, more pavement on the car track. We yeah. know, for example, they've widened the pit lane, right? The pit lane yeah. for the cars is wider than it was, so you lose a little bit of grass there. Um, you would think, as the years go by, they just decorate with more stuff. There's more sprinklers, there's more pavement... There's more stuff, right. a, and it just keeps shrinking that space. And it probably didn't all happen at once. It's probably like, yeah, if you look every 10 years, they lose 10%, and then they add something else, and uh, yeah. there's another 10%. Because this looks wide and massive, this 86 Daytona. This is, you yeah. know, I mean, it compared to what we have now. Um, so this, yep. uh, yeah, and 40 guys on the gate, a back row start, <laughs> and yeah. there are dudes everywhere in this race it's it's nuts it's just like wherever these guys are going there's there's races there's riders right and uh you know another thing that makes it hard to compare track to track is you know they're doing it on 1986 level bikes and everybody wants to talk about two strokes and four strokes but i mean the main thing that's changed is we know the suspension is just massively better in 35 37 years so maybe i'm looking at it thinking like dude these guys are ping-ponging because the track is so rough but they are 1986 motorcycles. Um, yeah, yeah. The same amount of travel, 12, 12 or so inches, and that's about it. Right, yeah. Can you no, imagine no. what RJ's forks are compared to Chase Sexton's forks today? No, yeah, absolutely right. So, um, right. yeah, this is this is a really good race, and, and again, it's in the middle of the day. and So this is your favorite Daytona? I think this is the best-looking track. I do love the nighttime atmosphere. I really do. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm biased because I'm there, and I'm, I'm the one that's actually like getting the fans to cheer as the announcer. Sure, sure. Um, but I feel like that nighttime in Florida is pretty awesome. Does it, Daytime can be a little miserable sometimes. Look, you, uh, you hate all retro gear. You hate all comparisons to retro stuff, you, you know, you, as you just spoke about. But does I it do. at all yeah. warm the cockles of your heart to be the voice of Daytona Supercross? Uh, you know, I had always thought watching Daytona on TV before I went to it, I mean, like, ah, oh, the racing's not that good. The track's really a compromise. Why do they always make this such a big deal? Uh, but until I actually went, uh, then I realized how awesome it is. But what I'll never know is I've only gone as the announcer. I've been the announcer since 08, but I never went before you that. Never, so I have no what? idea. You never so went? I, yeah. No, because it was always, I'm at Bike Week to do GNCC. So the previous seven years I went to Bike Week. Oh, wow. Dude, the amount of times that Davey's brother, Timmy, one year, this is amazing. He he said if we picked up trash at the Florida GNCC, uh-huh. he would bring us to Daytona. And what he meant by bring us, I guess, was drive by it. <laughs> and then we drove like eight more hours, and then we're in Georgia for the second GNCC to pick up more trash. <laughs> he actually so never... that was the type of trip I was on. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. Like it does seem amazing and awesome, but then again, I've always been the announcer, so I'm probably biased. My first year was '97. I was working for Ty Birdwell. Um, mm-hmm. Thirty guys in the main event, and Birdwell was a 24th to 25th place guy every every Saturday night. So not a lot of mains. Uh, we would just be right outside the the, the the guys that qualified each week. He made a few, but uh, this was a 30 man main in '97, and we got right in, no problem. 
uh, stepped in. So that was nice to have the main event. Once there, he looked exhausted, but it didn't matter. <laughs> we're in the main. 99, yep. I go there with Red Dog. Uh, he's a Florida guy, uh, past winner in the 125 class. Big, uh, big race for Red Dog. He uh, doesn't make it out of the heat. In the semi, he's in position. And we're running these Jeff uh, Emig Racing uh, chain blocks, chain adjuster blocks, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happens. I have no idea why. The torque of the motorcycle, or perhaps it was something to do with my shitty mechanicking. The wheel goes sideways. The, the aluminum chain uh, um, guide breaks yeah. and shears, and the wheel goes sideways and locks up. And now we're, wow. going, and now we're going to the LCQ. We put it you in. Though. We put it in. So that was oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a bit of a scramble? Oh that yeah. Seemed like some serious damage. Oh yeah. And then all the family and friends are there, and I'm like, this is not good. Uh, but he oh, got yeah. in. I think he got 11th in the main from uh, from the LCQ in '99. <laughs> so anyway, so that was a couple of my Daytona stories. But wow. Uh, um, but this, uh, yeah, always a fun time, and of course, razzles afterwards. Um, there's lots of things going on in Daytona. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, not Razzles in particular, oh. <laughs> although, hey, it's part of the deal. I have memories of being at Bike Week and around Daytona. So I guess what I would do here is, I guess, we would have done the Jane to see in Florida, go to Daytona and hang out, and then have to leave. I have memories of Bike Week before 08. So I guess we would go and hang out for a night or two to like see it all mm-hmm. and not go to the race. Because I remember that first year I was announcing, I was like, I can't do this now. I can't go stay out till 3 in the morning. Uh, because I actually have to work now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Daytona Bike Week, we've probably said it a million times. I, Steve, I know you don't like the Supercross race itself anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But any fan, you owe it to yourself to go to Daytona at least one time to just yeah. experience the whole darn thing. Well, it's a shell of what it used to be, that's for sure, but it's still something. Yeah. Yes. It, it, yeah, it, it, it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good, yep. but it used to be, you know, I slept in a box van there, um, and just Harleys and, you know, revving and, and uh, yeah. crowd everywhere. Like, yeah, it was nuts, right? So, uh, Well, you mean at the Speedway itself? Yeah, just all around the Speedway. Yeah, that's the thing. Bike Week is still big, but it's not Speedway-centric. It's, no. it's all, as somebody figured out, the Harley guys are more interested in the, the dollar beer special, you know, two miles away than anything the Speedway's got going on. Right. So it's still a big week, but yes, it's not going on necessarily. The Speedway's no longer the hub, yeah. I guess. So uh, 86 Daytona, we're going to have Jim Hawley talking about it. Career best Supercross finish uh, for Jim, and as you're going to hear, he was still upset. It's still not great. He was didn't get on the box. So that's how Jim works. It's odd, but that's how Jim works. So, um, But fourth for Jim. He I ran know, second. I'm perplexed by this. If fourth is your career best in a 250 Supercross, wouldn't you be so bummed to be like, ah, that's the difference to me being able to say I got on the podium once. Like, that's a pretty big difference. I could see why you'd be bummed on that. Jim Jim just, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't on the level of these guys. He just wasn't. He was a privateer hero that got a factory ride this year, you know. Uh, yes, be bummed you, you couldn't be on the box because he did run second for a little bit. Uh, and he actually went for the lead at one point in this race. But I just, yeah, Jim's attitude is hilarious to me. I see what you're saying. For him to, to get a podium... Like, he's in a battle with Ward, Johnson, Glover, and David Bailey. <laughs> right. So that's what you're saying. Like, third's going to be tough. Going to be tough. Right. Absolutely. Third's going to be tough. Yep. Ward, Johnson, Glover, Bailey. Right. Third's going to be tough. Um, but this yeah. this race, uh, um, this is RJ's sort of uh, – uh, obviously, he was really good before. He won the 84 title. He almost won the 82 title. But he joins Honda in 86. And now, and now this year, 86, this is Bailey, RJ, just one, two – 
just, you know, RJ getting the better of him a little bit, but David certainly being right in the mix. These two guys in an Osho, kind of the third place guy, they took over this year. First year of production rule, and, and RJ is um, already kind of a hammerhead, really in shape, really gnarly, and he just took his game to another level at this point. Yeah, we did caught, uh, cover the famous 1986 opener in Anaheim. That was one of the first shows we ever did, and we had Jim on with that one as well. Uh, so we had thought that that production rule, we, we'll always wonder, me and you, if we were doing our jobs back then, like there would have been so much off-season talk of those trick works Hondas were gone, and how's that going to affect things? I'm sure by the time everyone got to Daytona two months later, they knew it wasn't going to affect anything because Bailey and Johnson are the two best guys. You could tell, though, when you watch this TV show, that they said Johnson, I think, had won three of the first six, which sounds good, but not unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But you just got the vibe. Do you agree watching that TV show? They're like, he's the dominator. He's the guy. They're yeah. all trying yeah. to solve RJ. Yeah, it's Larry Myers and Bob Hanna. I, and I'm guessing this is a one-off for Hanna in 86. I don't remember him doing any other races, but this is a Daytona one, which was not a, which was promoted by a different group, by the Speedway people. Right. Um, yep. So I imagine it was a, a brand new deal, and they... Bob had just signed with Suzuki, and yeah, Bob getting the booth. So, yeah, yeah, but they're really building up RJ winning three of the first six, and I think the race really comes down to Bailey actually starts ahead of RJ, and then uh, as we'll get to with Jim, rushes trying to pass Jim, and then bumps into him and goes down. I'm thinking if there's a little of they were already feeling that pressure, like okay, I got the start, RJ's behind me, I gotta go. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um, yeah. You know what's weird about this I race? I think Bailey normally was making the, was the guy that would make the smart decision, but this was a dumb decision on his part. Right. It was really weird. So the, obviously we've seen uh, – uh, uh, we just talked about Bailey and RJ. The heat races – now our, our guy Jim wins a heat, so he's on it this day. Jimmy is feeling yeah. it. Uh, he yep. wins a heat. The uh, the other heat was won by uh, uh, Mickey Diamond, who was a, um, a, um, a new guy to the team. Um, heat four – he four had RJ, Bailey, and Ward. What the? Yeah, like, what I don't know how, I have no idea how, I don't know how they decided this. I don't know what went on. But um, basically, three out of the top four guys were in one heat together, and the other heats were won by Diamond and Jim and Glover. Glover and, and Osho were in the other one. But uh, it's just like, yeah, like, weird, weird, weird heat race order, you know? But Well, I do remember, you know, yes, yeah, Supercross used to have four heats, then it was down to three. Then it's down to two. Yeah. I feel like on most nights, there was always this weirdo heat race or even two of them that it was like privateers. Yeah. Win a heat. Well, because this, this one had 40 guys and then 30 guys, right? Like when I was doing it, when I had 30 guys doing it, it was yeah. three heats, three semis. You know what I mean? So, wow. um, it was, yeah. And what normally we were already doing two heats and two semis, but because they took 30, this race was longer. Yeah. But, um, yeah. anyways, the heats were stacked. Uh, the fourth heat was stacked. The other one's not so much. Uh, our buddy Tom Carson made the uh, made the main via the LCQ. Then the last guy in was Doug Dubok, so that was pretty uh, pretty funny. And and Russ, uh, yeah, and Russ Wageman got in through the LCQ too. Father of yeah. Robbie and RJ. So good yeah. job, good job to Russ Wageman. Um, yeah. So the start comes, and like you said, Glover takes the whole shot. Glover is number four at this point, and um, he had a really good year in '85. 86 was okay. He got hurt. Then 87, he got hurt again. Then 88 was his last year. He was 44. Uh, so it was a tough tough start to Glover's uh, – or tough, tough ending to Glover. But at this point, he took the lead. Our guy Jim was second. 
And as you said, Bailey tried to force it, and he goes down, and he's, I don't know, he's, it looks like he's 66th. Like, there's so many guys that Bailey's around at this point. You're just like, well, he's out of this one, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe watching it back. Um, you're like, okay, yeah, he's done. He's going to get 10th or something. This has to be, this would have to be one of Bailey's best races. He doesn't win. But he is going so fast. Yeah. And by the way, you can tell, look, they don't always look fast when you look back at racing 40 years ago. A lot of it, I know you've made fun of like 20-foot tabletops so they can barely jump mm-hmm. on those old bikes. There are times you're watching Bailey and some of the jumps he's doing where you're like, yeah, yeah he still looks fast. Yeah, looks really good. Absolutely. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, so he goes down and, and Jim's going to talk about that because he kind of forced it in on Holly in turn two. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll ask Jim about that. Um, Glover leads early. RJ gets him. Glover's got this line in the whoops that is just <laughs> horrific. <laughs> he it's it, 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 I don't understand. I don't. Brock's an all time racer, um, and he just keeps taking this left line in through these moguls. And, and I mean, guys are going so okay. So you get past once. All right, I get it. You get past twice. I get it. But Brock, no, still no. Still not changing that line? So that was pretty good. I know. I don't I, I and and so Hannah and Myers as the announcers, and you can tell they're doing this after the fact because they know everything that's hundred percent, right? Yes. <laughs> like Larry likes to point out that Glover's using that left line that's slow even before he gets past. Mm-hmm. So then each time he gets past Larry Myers, I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> Just killing him. But it is pretty slow. It is slow, to be fair. Yes. Uh, it is slow. He's getting past almost every lap. Yeah, it, it's not not great. And you expect Glover being such a great champion and being such a great rider to to look over and be like, oh, you know. Um, yes, yes. Ward's really good. I still to this day, it's unbelievable that Ward never won Daytona. The fact that yes. Wardy never won Daytona when it was hot and humid and gnarly and, and everything else is amazing. But he never won Daytona in his career. Uh, and Bailey, basically. Uh, Makes him look, I don't know. I mean, he comes in, Bailey comes into a left hander, I don't know, 10 miles an hour faster than Wardy? Yeah, Wardy's on the outside. Yeah. And Bailey just comes right in, feet up, makes the, cuts the inside and, and collides with Ward. And uh, actually, Weege, I don't know if you're aware of this, when we were talking about it earlier, uh, Wardy's chain came off. So Wardy DNF from that, from that crash. Well, eventually he rolls across the finish, but he says it gets 16th. Must it must have got it back on. I think he put his chain back on. Yeah, in cycle. Yeah, moves. yeah. He comes across the finish, but lapped. Yeah, he goes from basically not that far behind and right. say second or third to 16th. He 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 said yeah. in cycle moves, I don't have bike problems. I have Bailey problems. Said Ward. Oh, David center punched me in the corner, and he hit me so hard that it bent my bike swing arm and knocked the chain off. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a like it's not a dirty pass by Bailey. It's it's a racing incident in my mind. Look, watching it, but uh, I could see Rewardy be pissed because David came in so fast. But he was, as we said earlier, he was on it. Bailey was not not happy at falling down with Jim early on. Yeah, the way their lines were it was like Ward was on the top looking to cut down, and Bailey was on the inside and drifting out. And uh, yeah, it was pretty good contact, no doubt. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. But so Bailey ends up getting yep. second, um, um, and um, um, RJ wins. RJ's first Daytona win. Who, and who can forget, like, in 84 when him and O'Mara drag race up the finish, right? And he just left it pinned like, to get second, I believe, behind Bailey in 84. Remember that photo? I thought it was O'Mara that did that ridiculous jump. I thought it was RJ on O'Mara. 
No, I think okay. it was, I think Omera did around? it, but he didn't make the pass. It was like he passed him in the air after the finish, so oh, to speak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So if you look at the result, it would seem like RJ was the one that made the move. Right. But uh, dude, you had said the word bulldog. When you watch RJ in this one, I, I don't even understand what kind of shape these guys must have been in, because there is no rhythm, there is no flow. They were just hanging off the back of the bike, and just it looks like yeah. they're riding and, rodeo style. And you know, that's was, eight seconds. When Glover was leading and RJ was behind him, I was watching them because it was twelve laps. This race was twelve yeah. laps, and they. I was watching to see if they were tired, and honestly, like I, maybe it's an uphill to school. I walked uphill to school both ways, type of thing. They didn't yeah. look tired, dude. They were standing up, sitting down at the apex of the turn, getting back up. Both oh, guys yeah. looked – and this is late, right? Glover leads. RJ gets them semi-late, maybe just, mm-hmm. you know. They looked in, They looked great. They looked both in shape. Oh, and the beating they're yes. taking. Yes. Un- the track yes. is so rough. There's no flow at all. What I mean is no flow. It's like there's just random bumps. Yeah. It's not like these are whoops or this is a double. Yeah. It's just – Here's a bunch of sandy bumps that are just being spread everywhere. So the bike is kicking left and yeah, right. Yeah. And like I said, the suspension, you know, is terrible compared to what we know today. And RJ is just like a darn robot. Like he's taking he's, he's over jumping, just landing in the flat. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I, I, you know, you're always hesitant to come on these things and be like, oh, these dudes were so gnarly and our guys today are such babies. I, I'm not saying that, but these guys look good still. They look good and their bikes are going everywhere so yes uh, yeah yeah and bailey too we know bailey was known as like the smoother guy but dude he is all over the place as well i think it's just the way you had to do it yeah like that's just how it was supposed to be yeah absolutely i like my favorite line of the night uh larry myers said uh bob how do you how do you get around lappers and uh bob says you just pray a lot larry (laughs) 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 you just pray a lot that's 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 what you do yeah Mm mm-hmm so I like that one. Dude, there were a lot of rando guys on Yamahas, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of privateers on Yamahas. They must have paid good money that year. Yeah, maybe, right? Yeah, you got a good point there. So many lapters, just random dudes on Yamahas. Um, it's uh it was uh Hannah was real like blunt, right? We know him as he is, he speaks his mind and everything else. But yeah, to go back and watch this on YouTube, Hannah's got a lot of like, well, Larry, because you know they're drinking buddies, right? You know him and Larry are drinking buddies and they're good they're, oh, they're yeah. good friends. So you oh, yeah. uh, you just you got the feeling that they're just ha- shooting the shit in the in a bar. That's <laughs> not a, you know, it's not a great analysis by Hannah. A lot of bluntness I feel like, so. Yeah, now I don't know if they recorded this back in Atlanta where they did the TV shows back then or if they were hanging out in Daytona, but either way, <laughs> either way whether they recorded it in a studio in Atlanta or they did it in Daytona itself. Yeah. The announcing of the race was by far the most boring part. Yeah. Of the Larry and Bob hangout. Yeah, absolutely. Like, no. I can't sure. imagine Daytona memories of those two. No. Right. Exactly. Good thing there's Gosh. no cell phone cameras and stuff. Thank um, God. Yeah. Uh, so Bailey finished less than three seconds behind RJ. Really good job for Bailey to come up. Glover gets third. And I was uh, well. I'll talk to Jim about this about the three of them uh, riding together because I'll bring. I'll wait for Jim. But I just was struck watching Glover. Bailey and RJ. I was like, oh, man, look at that. Anyways, uh, four, five, and six at the time. Uh, I'll, ask, I'll ask Jim about that. So Jim's quote uh, after the race. Sometimes I think I'm too nice of a guy, said fourth place Holly. It looks bad when I start a race in second and I drop to fourth. I need to put my nose to the grindstone, race hard, work towards winning, and still promote the sport. I love it. That's our guy, Jimmy. Still promote, though. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> you... You're, you're a concrete guy from northern L.A. Bailey beats you, RJ beats you, and Glover beats you. 
it looks bad when I start a race in second and drop to fourth. Like, I'm sorry, Hollywood. You just got beat by three of the legends. They have 20-something, 20, 20 championships, I think, combined between the three of them. <laughs> you know? Jim, uh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just love it. I love the attitude. So. Cool. Yeah, he's just a competitor. Yes, I, I, you've said this many times. you said this many right, times. Right. So you think Jim did fine, and there was no reason, A, for him to lose his ride, and no, no reason for him to be bummed. Oh, I'll, I'll get into it with Jimmy here right away oh, about I that. I'll, I'll, I I'll drop my theory once again uh, that I've, I've given Jimmy a lot. But thank you to the folks at Liat, Liat.com, uh, Re-Raceables podcast. Also, thanks to the folks at Maxxis Tires. I wonder how these guys would have done if they had Maxxis on. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Bailey wouldn't have fell over against Jimmy. Uh, MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by the SGB Maxxis guys. Please check it out, Maxxis.com. Great mountain bike tires, like truck, like truck tires, dirt bike tires, uh, Maxxis.com, if you haven't thought about them for a while. Look into it, man. Uh, so thank you to Maxis and, and, of course, the folks at ProTaper, whether it's the, uh, uh, the original uh, bar from way back in 1991 that they patented with Damon Bradshaw and those guys, or the newest ACF bar, aluminum carbon fiber. It's the lightest one and one-eighth bar out there. J-Mart's running this right now. It's the first carbon fiber reinforced aluminum handlebar for motocross. It's got the carbon core system in it. That's what makes it work. Uh, and uh, innovative control and design brings motocross bars into the modern ever modern era, providing more space for controls, mapping switches, and electric starters. You think any of these guys had mapping switches or electric starters, Weech? Oh, God. But you know what? These are cool bikes, dude. These are cool bikes. And the sound of two strokes and all that, uh, it's still cool. But no, definitely oh. don't have that stuff. ProTaper.com for more information on that ACF bar, Star Racing Yamaha, Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, running ProTaper uh, bars and sprockets and chains. And, of course, our buddies at Scott Sports. Uh, Bevo doing the goggles back then, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, and also, of course, uh, uh, Maxis and uh, Liat. So, all right. Jim Holly's goggles, right? Yeah, the goggle yep. choice for, for Jim Hollywood Holly. We still got the categories. Jason Anderson, everybody. Yeah, uh, we still got On the fire. We still got the categories coming up, which is yep. always a fun time. But let's. Uh, Let's talk to Jim Hawley about 86 Daytona on the Lee at Re-Raceables, and uh, we'll be right back after this. And now, as promised, uh, Daytona 86 on the Lee at Re-Raceables. We, uh, we have the man in studio. Uh, his career best in a Supercross finish, a really good day for him that day in Daytona. It's Jim Hollywood. Holly, what's up, Jimmy? How are you, man? No, I'm just having a great time. Yeah, Daytona. It's, it's always, uh, always a great Supercross. Yeah, it, uh, it's something else. And this is about... Obviously, Daytona has gone through some different iterations over the years, and we're at the point now where it's a 22-man event at night on a basic Supercross track. Um, you know, maybe not as much as it was at one point as far as pure Supercross, but this race is the middle of the day. It's 40 guys. It's like an outdoor motocross. It doesn't get any different from Monster Energy Supercross of 2022 than Daytona 86. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that is the same as uh, Daytona back when I rode and now the current Daytona is the track is changing the lines each and every lap. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to move around. The ruts get deep, the sand, everything. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing that's the same. I mean, you know, riding a Supercross with 40 guys out there, you start running, you know, but it was a little bit longer track, but still you had to deal with that a lot this one um this one does not go outside the speedway early did you you did some of those too where they left the speedway right well they went the, over the, the over yeah, the pavement the pit road yeah we actually crossed over it you know a little when the sand gets on yeah. real slick did a little section and then and came, they came back, back across the road yeah right. 
Uh, is this 86? Are the telephone poles still being used for whoops? I don't think so. They, they got rid of that after uh, we broke a lot of rear wheels and stuff. Uh, Yamaha back then, they had the Z-spoke, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, Gary Bailey, when he designed it, you know, the sand, the whoops kind of break down or whatever. So he goes, well, I'll fix these guys. So it was telephone poles. <laughs> telephone poles didn't move, but uh, our wheels gave out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nice day for you, though, that day. Fourth place. You won your heat, yeah, as we talked about, and, uh, and then you ran second in the main event behind Glover for a long time. Yeah, I almost passed Brock a couple yep. times. There was one line that he was taking, and I remember uh, it, it was to the far left or whatever, but, I mean, I'm just going, man, I can't believe he doesn't move over. You know, it's just like, man, I almost passed him there uh, a couple times. Yeah, Weege, Larry Myers and Bob Hanner are losing their minds over Brock's line in this one mogul section. Yeah, yeah, it cost him over and over and over. Uh, yeah, Jim, you almost took the lead from there. Um, I don't know how specifically you can remember. What, do you have any reason why anyone would go to the left there? Uh, yeah, you think about I, what it looked like and why he might have wanted to try that, even though it was consistently not working. I almost want to call Brock. I'd be like, Brock, what? Yeah, yeah, what <laughs> he, got, he got passed three times there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, every time we came up to that section, I saw him veer left. You know, under my awry helmet, you saw a big shitty grin on my face. <laughs> I'm going, all right, he's going to hand this thing to me. But I just didn't quite yeah. have enough to get him. Uh, but, yeah, it's just like, Brock, okay, the first time, no problem. Yeah. You got a bad line. You get passed. No problem. Second time, okay, Brock, well, maybe <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> he's one of the all timers. He's yeah, got tons. Oh, yeah. He's got more championships than all of us. But yep. but you know, on that line, <laughs> it was bad that day. It was bad. Hey, how much of the when we go back and watch this race, and this is what you were alluding to, Steve, with how different Daytona is. I mean, how much was it like trying to plan? I'm going to jump this and hop over that, or just I have to just pin it, hang off the back, and hang on. Yeah, it, it's just exactly what you said, Weech. Uh, you just had to pin it and hang on. I mean, that those tracks were so rough and so gnarly. I mean, uh, that was one that everyone really looked forward to, but they really didn't like racing it because it was a difficult yeah. uh, track to get around on. <laughs> I would imagine. I, I think they just like to be in Daytona in March or whatever. But you got to remember that those were hard for us because we actually were in Atlanta at a regular Supercross, and then we would – go to uh, Gainesville, Florida, I believe, for the first national. Then we would go over to Daytona, or we might have went to Daytona and then this, this went year, to Gainesville. This year you went Atlanta, Gainesville, Daytona, yeah. and then your next race was Hangtown. Yeah, so it, it was pretty what? hard. Yeah, so, I mean, you hear guys all the time, oh, we're going to test after halfway through Supercross when everyone's down there or whatever. But, yeah, it, it, it was a, a Supercross, a national, a Supercross, a national. Did uh, did you guys, like, hang out in Florida? I, I'd have to imagine at least with Gainesville and uh, Daytona, if not Atlanta. Did you guys hang yeah. out there for a couple weeks? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. No, what did you do? No like hotels and rent yeah, a track yeah, or something? Just, yeah, just test and, and uh, you know, kind of set things up. But, yeah, it, there was no flying back and forth. I mean, you're already on the East Coast. Just stay there because, you know, a lot of times it's hard with that time zone change, you know. Even though it is only three hours, I, I know it's really hard when you go – you know, across the pond or over to Japan or Australia or whatever, those time zones are really hard to adjust. But I think that for the most part, everybody, Yamaha guys, uh, Keith McCarty and everybody, he was our team manager. Um, you know, they had it set up where they had testing for us to do and stuff. And, and everything evolved around, you know, how you did at Gainesville. You know, if, if you weren't happy with the bike, then, hey, let's set up. But, you know, I kept trying to tell the guys that, 
you know, well, we're, we're testing back here in Gainesville soil and stuff, but that's not going to be hard pack like mm-hmm. Hangtown, you know, so we're going to yep. get settings, but then we're going to change everything again when we get out west. So yep. um, let's set the stage a little bit for this race. Uh, uh, Jim, you're one of the top privateers in the sport on a Yamaha in 84 and 85. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you're right there. You're, you're, you're 5 to 12 guy uh, right behind Factory Dudes. You get a Factory Yamaha rider, yep. a ride in 86. Um, and, and so I guess a couple questions for you is, um, and, we, and we've covered this in so many shows before, and we'll cover some stuff again, but you get the factory Yamaha ride, which is awesome. It's great. But in some ways, Jim, it's not as good as when you were on your own. No, I mean, you know, <clears throat> Yamaha had a really good contingency program called yep. YZ Bucks. And I remember that, uh, you know, uh, Brock at one time he was complaining because at a race he said well you made more than me I go how can you figure I made more than you yeah well today you got this this and prize money this I go yeah but you're you're on a salary yeah you, you know so um, there are some differences I I couldn't do a lot of my uh, uh, races that you know races that I yeah. I would win in Europe or Canada or whatever Supercrosses those paid good money and they were cash. So there was no 1099 on that money. That went into my safe, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so I couldn't do any of those because Yamaha wouldn't let me do those. Oh, you might get hurt or this and that. And um, so, you know, in that aspect, it was a lot different than being, a, you know, well, I, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. What I, was your salary? Do you remember? I think it was like 60 or 70,000, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so a nice step up there. But yeah, yeah, but then, you know, you were stuck to sort of factory rules. Yeah. Was the, and this is the era of, of the first year of production bikes. Um, so everyone was supposed to be, you know, fair, fairly equal. But right. was your bike better in 86 than 85? Like just with the extra sort of knowledge of factory stuff? A little bit, yeah. a little bit. We had uh, a, a wide variety of different cylinders and, and combinations yeah. we could test that were coming from Japan, yep. uh, where I really didn't have that before. Is my dad was doing all the cylinders yep. and porting them and stuff. Was and, your dad your mechanic in factory? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh-huh. so they just kept them. They just rolled it all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, and the '86 YZ250, better bike than the '85. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I mean, you know, competing against the Hondas and stuff, those bikes were just uh <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's like a Ferrari versus a v, uh, a, a VW yeah. Beetle, you know. Right, it's just right. it was, we were behind. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, they certainly they yeah, those Hondas were pretty good and I remember everybody we, do you remember this in the magazines? Everyone's like, oh, Honda's Advantage is going to go away once they go to production bikes. It probably got bigger. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> it did. did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at 85 results, they weren't as good. They got better in 86 Honda. And uh, I think, Jim, we talked to you a bunch for the Anaheim 86 show. Uh, and I was like, were you guys excited? Like, this year we're going to get them. But you were like, nah, we knew Honda was going to have it figured out. No. <laughs> we were never like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah, we we were. I, I don't know how to the best way to describe that. Like, you know, when you go into a situation and you know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't have the right equipment. It's like, you know, if you're building a house or something, and you don't have the scaffold to get up to the top, but you got a ladder and you got to climb up and down the ladder all the time. You know, you get to the top and then, oh, you fall down, you get back up. It, it was one of those deals where the Honda guys had a forklift to take you up to the top yeah. and walk on the scaffold. Yeah. Um, but I give you guys credit for back then because here's what not just you, but a lot of guys of your era uh, would say, you know, even RJ when he was on Yamaha or Glover who did it for years. You guys just owned it. Like, yeah, I mean, what, what, what can con- you do? Yeah. I right. mean, if you want to race some motorcycle. out of your contract in four weeks. There was no, no. there's no, there was not, no setup. Like, oh, my setup was off. It was like, yeah, I just, I got beat and I got to ride harder. Right. Yeah. That's it. Right. And RJ, don't forget, RJ beat 
Lachine in 84. Yeah. Outdoors on a production-based YZ250. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah, so it can be done. Glover beat Bailey in 85. Right. Uh, You know, so it it could be done. Um, Sure. Well, that's what I'm saying, Jim. I feel like you guys put it more on yourselves. Like, yeah, my bike isn't as good. I'm not going to bitch. I'm going to try to beat them anyway. Yeah, I mean – I mean, what good is it going to do to complain? You know, then everybody's unhappy with you and this and that. And it's just, uh, this is what you have and deal with it. And if you don't like it, then, you know, mm-hmm. tough shit. <laughs> Jim, you have a, a hundred top 10 finishes <laughs> in, in 250 Supercross, a ton. Yeah. And then this day you got a fourth. I yeah. said, won your heat, ran second for a while, almost passed for the lead. I, I was so pissed because yeah. if you're going to be on the podium – a Daytona, and especially I think back then Honda sponsored it. Yeah, it was uh, Honda brought Daytona brought to you yeah. by Honda. So I really wanted to get on on the podium because every newspaper, magazine, whatever from Europe, everybody ascended because that's the Daytona 200 was the next day and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So everybody was there. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted that podium so bad, and I was, you know, I mean, I wasn't crying that I didn't yeah. get it, yeah. but um, at the same time, I mean, I'll, I'll take a fourth, you know, and yeah. that was the best of my career in AMA stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. won a lot overseas and other places, but AMA, I really wanted to get a podium. I was thinking we, just, one point in this race, so Jimmy's second, Glover's leading, RJ gets him, Wardy gets him, right? And then there's like a battle with Glover, RJ and Ward, right? And Bailey's coming up from uh, an early race mishap where he tried to get by you. Right. And we, they're all three guys are in the shot. It's number four, Glover. It's number five, RJ. It's number one, Wardy. And I'm like, look at this. An all, like, an all time, an all time race going on right now with these guys. I mean, they're legends, right? Uh, And you're in fourth. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping all three of the guys knocked each other down. Hey, what would you say the difference was? Did you like Daytona? Did you just feel good that day? Uh, no, I, 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 I like Daytona. I've mm-hmm. always had yeah. some pretty good finishes at Daytona. I, I just like the atmosphere. I like being down there. I like going down, you know, seeing the Harley guys and the crazy guys on the, the you know, the highway. You know, you're able to drive a car. I mean, I live in Southern California. You can't drive a car on the beach, but Daytona, you can drive a car on the beach. So, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a great time. Jim was just in a good mood. Yeah, it uh, was just a, it was just a, a great uh, Supercross to to be in, and it was something different yeah. than a normal Supercross. You didn't have to deal with the big sixty five foot triples and being in a in a confined mm-hmm. a, arena. You had some outdoors, some uh, you know breathing mm-hmm. room and things like that. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Daytona. Well, we didn't have cell phones and videos back then, but I can imagine that you uh, 20-something-year-old guys in 86, spring break time in Daytona, I had Polaroid. probably had a good time. <laughs> I still got I Polaroid pictures of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, if you want to say it. Yeah. No, I, I, I'll say it. Everyone, anyone who knows me knows I got Polaroids. Even my kids, I tell them, hey, you know, when I die, there's going to be some stuff that you're going to find in some boxes, <laughs> man. <laughs> Just... Just burn it and move on. Well, if you want to look at it, you can look at it. But, uh, you know. um, do you remember anything about after the race? Speaking of that, do you remember uh, celebrating or, or Glover, or you and Brock going, like anything like that? Like, because Glover got third, so good job by him. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, we go out to dinner. But or you don't remember no. th- specifically this one? No, no not yeah, yeah. that one. Another one I remember is uh, Dave Moss. He was uh, helped me out, my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it might have been the year before or whatever. And uh, he, he, uh, 
he's passed away uh, since then, now. But uh, anyhow, he was down there helping me out. And he took the box van. I said, well, I don't know if I take the box van down there, man. Could you just make sure you down park to it. The downtown. Yeah, yeah downtown yeah. Right, to where right. everything's happening. And I go, because I went with somebody else in a, a rent a car. And he was coming later. I said, you know, whatever you do, just, you know, yeah. take care of it. And uh, it got towed. It got towed? <laughs> yeah, it got towed. <laughs> he thought it got stolen, but it got towed. Uh, and I told him, hey, make sure you park in the right area because they're real critical down there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's from out of town. They're just having a great time and, mm-hmm. and this and that. But uh, I do remember one day, Tona, though, David Aldana was down there. And he, he left his rental car out there and the tide came in. And it took his rental car out into the ocean. I remember that. Yeah. I said, David, what are you doing, man? He goes, I didn't know it was come in. Like, yeah, it came in and it went. It took your car. Try explaining that to Hertz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did the box fan have stuff in it too? Did it have bikes or? Oh yeah, no, yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I was, I was worried he got stolen. But then I, you know, I, I looked at the sign when I got there, and I mm-hmm. said, "Look, D- Dave, you didn't see this the sign? Here it is. <laughs> Call that number. Right. I guarantee you, they got it. And we got it within an hour or two of it being towed. But I mean, think about like the, I mean, the crime wasn't bad around there or whatever but i mean mm. think someone could have at the towing yard just yeah, yeah. pop that lock and just took yeah. the bikes and everything and i would have been screwed um yeah i just imagine there was a lot of fun to be had 1986 oh, yeah. uh, oh, 1980s florida spring break yeah bike week oh, great, yeah. T- great times um <laughs> jimmy's in a great mood yeah he's just happy yeah <laughs> um your factory in 86 like we talked about like full factory your teammates glover um, uh, Bowen, Keith, uh, Bowen yeah. passes you in this race actually, yeah, yeah. and goes down. And, he watered and dude, you almost hit his bike. Yeah. Oh my god. Like. Yeah. And then the guy behind you, I think Ricky Ryan or somebody, does hit his bike. Yeah. Because it's on a blind spot. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So you just about had a big one. I think uh, Rollerball Ross Peterson. I, I think he finished up fifth that day, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I was gonna bring that Did up. He? But Did no, he? sixth. Oh, six. But I'm sure who he got, was. I'm sure fifth? he was closing on yeah, you. Yeah, who who got fifth? I'm sure he would have got you. Oh, a he few was. More laps. He was strong. He He's was an strong. animal. Uh, well, Alan King. Alan, Alan King. King got that's fifth. right. Yeah. yeah. Was he on uh, Team Tam? Probably. Tough. Uh, team oh, tough. Tough. Yeah. Tough, yeah. tough that year. Well, that, that that's the thing about it. Like you know, when Bowen went down, you got to kind of like risk versus reward right. type thing. Like okay, I'm I'm running fourth or whatever. I'm good. Bowen goes, but he was going like a bat out of hell. And I'm thinking, I don't know if he can carry yeah. that the whole race because <laughs> yeah. you got to pace yourself. And he watered himself. Well, I was going to ask you about that. So I've watched so many old races and I've read so many old cycle newses. And Keith had a nice career in that he won five or six nationals. Yeah. Uh, he should have won the mud race in Daytona when yep. Ricky Ryan won. He was gone. DNF. I watched, or I, I read about another Supercross where his bike broke again. Uh, I think it was Slicer was his guy. He was gone again. Great mud rider, Michigan guy. Yeah. Keith Bowen, and I talked to Weege about this a little while ago. Um, Keith Bowen might have been the fastest guy with the least amount of results. Like, dude, yeah. I read so many cycle news and watch so many videos where he is flying. Yeah. And he crashes or he has a bike problem. Right. Do you agree no, with that? Like, oh, he was, absolutely. He was a, a great, great rider. Great analogy. Yeah. Keith was uh, and, and, and a fun guy to yeah. be around. Yeah, just yeah. A, a great guy, <laughs> right. you know, to uh, have as a teammate. But yeah. uh, he did throw a lot of things yeah. away. And I do remember one time, I think Hannah got into his head he actually, and I still have it, and if I find it, I'll have to send it to you guys. Okay. But you know when someone passes away and you uh, you have uh, yes. the eulogy? Yes, yes, yeah. I remember he, this. He, Hannah made one and, and 
passed it out to fans at the races. <laughs> of, like he was going to kill Keith, you know? Yeah. Like, because I maybe this is when race, Keith was sixty-eight on yeah, a, the yeah, year before. Yeah, yes. maybe the year they came yeah. together or something. And Bob didn't like it, but that's how you know a genius Bob was. So Bob went to FedEx, made a Xerox yeah. copy. Oh, it's it's like official. I'm going to find it and I'll send it to you. You can post it online or whatever. But I, I just thought. Wow, man, that would get into my head if someone oh. pay, posted that. Like, man, I could die today. He's already got my he's already got my paperwork lined up. Weege, can you imagine Glover, who is uh, still around the industry, uh, a very serious guy, uh, a very thorough guy, very proper guy. Glover's teammates are Holly and Keith Bowen. <laughs> he's got to he's got to just be like, look at these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, things were a little bit more separated back then. I, I just think the box fans and then your dad's your mechanic. Was it? I mean, you were teammates, obviously, and you had the same team manager. But did everybody do their own thing a little bit more separate personality wise? Oh yeah, because yeah. I mean, you had your you had your own box fan, so that was your yeah. own little cubicle. Yeah. That was. Your deal, you know. Um, it'd be like an office building that, you know, you have all your different offices. You mm -hmm. know, not necessarily you're going to go into that office and hang out with that guy if you don't like it. I mean, yep. I hung out with Keith a lot because I, I, I had a lot of uh, good times with Keith. We'd be in Japan testing and we'd have the weekend off. And, and he was a little bit uh, he, he was a little bit worried uh, going with me, but I go, Hey Keith, I know where some American girls are performing over here in a show. Yeah. So let's take the train. <laughs> and you know, I spoke very little Japanese at that time, but we made it down there. We hung out with the chicks and he goes, man, that was the best off day I've ever had, Jim, man. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. I was a little bit skeptical. I thought we were going to get lost in a foreign country and, you know, coming right. from Michigan, he yeah, didn't know. Yeah, he doesn't I'm know. from LA, Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Keith, let's go. Let's go experience life. Well, you know, and and this is different, Jim, from the story you told just last night on the show about Israeli supermodels in Japan. That was a different, different one. time. We yeah, each different yeah. one. These are American yeah. girls. That yeah. the other one was a Israeli girl yeah. with Lachine with, with, <laughs> with the dogger. Yeah. So just we, in case you're wondering about Jim's Japanese women's stories, just get them straight. All right. I, yeah, I, I knew what direction this is going as soon as Keith was a little worried. Well, I'm going to take some stress off your mind. I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. You're going to um, relax a little bit here. But I'll never forget, it, it was a Tommy. He goes, where are we going to Tommy's? I go, no, we're going a Tommy. It's a, a Tommy Japan. That's where they're at. Oh, okay. you know, I, I knew that they were on. But it was, a, yeah, we had to train. Uh, and, and back then in the 80s, it's not like Japan nowadays where everything mm -hmm. uh, is subtitles. You know, you can read. And yeah. It was all in Japanese. And, you know, they really didn't speak too good of English. Right. And we had to change. It, I, to be honest, Keith, if you're listening, I was a little bit worried, but we made it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, anytime it came I, to I, seeing some blonde hair, blue-eyed girls, different colors, the Japanese are all black hair. Yeah. And everything. I go, I got we got to go see some foreigners, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Controlled chaos. I would never worry. I would be worried, but at the same time, I'm never worried when Jim's around. No. Controlled chaos. No, no, yep. absolutely not. D did you, Jim, uh, uh, when it comes to, like I talked about, the Glover and Wardy and RJ, all-time yeah. battle up front, right? Um, did you always feel like, and, and you know, like nowadays, you look, some of the privateer guys, and, and even in my era when I was a mechanic, like Nick Way was a privateer guy when I worked for him in 02, but he was, all the guys, Jeremy and Ricky, and you know, all the guys like Nick Way and they talked to him, and it wasn't a case of like, hey, we're a factory guy, you know, you're a privateer, beat it. No. Um, did you, did, did RJ and Glover and Ward, uh, Glover and the, RJ, Wardy, Osho, like, 
did they treat you or talk to you any differently over the years? Like as far did they? No, you know, like not, was, not yeah. at all. Yeah, yep. Not at all. Because I, I, I you, you talk about Wardy, and I grew up with Wardy racing mini bikes and stuff. Yeah. I grew up with Johnny O'Mara in yep. the Valley. So I mean, I, I've known those guys for years. Yeah. So it, so there, it wasn't it was like never a, any nah, of that. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Like you, whether hey, you were a factory guy, whether you were a privateer or a factory guy, everyone no, treated you the same. As a yeah. matter of fact, when we were in Japan one time, Bailey and O'Mara went to the factory, and they had sketched out some pictures of their new bikes their mm-hmm. factory bikes and yep. i was at the airport hey jam come here take a look at this you know oh yeah 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 so i mean yeah they, they, yeah. yeah we, we right. all got along it wasn't good. it wasn't yeah. a case of where those guys are like hey we're all-time champions nah. and you're jim holly and whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. No. but you know those guys you know they won a lot of races and a lot of championships where i didn't yeah i mean i came from you know uh a blue-collared kid worker coming up for the privateer ranks mm-hmm. the yz box I saved my money. You know, if I'm in fifth or sixth where I was, yeah. I, I was content with that. I didn't push it because if I pushed it and I crashed and lost the front end like Chase Sexton did last week and whatever, uh-huh. I didn't make no money. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in jeopardy of not being able to go to the next race. Right. So then when I got my factory ride, all that was out the window. Hey, we pay you now. And I just could never climb over that mountain where I could push myself to that next level yeah. where those guys were. Uh, Jim Holly and the Lee at Re-Raceables. Uh, thanks to Maxis and Pro Taper and Scott Goggles. You wore Scott Goggles yeah. a long time. They're on this show as well. Uh, Bevo making your goggles back then. There was a funny yeah. Daytona Glover Scott Goggles story. We'll save for another time. Um, the um, uh, we the funny rewatching this. Uh, yep. Hannah's the color commentator with Larry Myers. David Bailey comes in in the second turn, and and Weege, he tried Bailey tries to make room with Jim, which is. Not something that you're going to really try to do. No, no. And Hannah quickly is on that, saying, you can't move Jim Holly. He's too big. He's too strong. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a bad – I mean, what, what were you guys, second and third? on the, Like the third turn of the race? Like there was no need for him to bail to rush it there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, Jim, I, I don't think you moved at all. Nope. No, I didn't move an inch. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's the difference between that era and this era. Like somebody in this era might have got butt hurt that David went in there and did that. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, he's trying to win the race, yeah. too. And, you know, I, I didn't leave the door open, but he was trying to push the door yeah, he was open. To squeeze. It yeah, didn't look it, like the, there was, there was no room. room. Yeah, it didn't look like it. But in the other hand, I mean, David was on that day. He lost that race because of that move there he yeah. put on me. He should have waited. He would have yeah. got me in another section, I guarantee it, because he was that much faster. Than him. But yeah. he would have won that race, guaranteed, yeah. if he didn't do that. By 30 or 40 seconds. That's how fast he was going that day. I mean, he was on it. He yep. came from, I think, last and, and finished second in He was on RJ at the finish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he wrote he great. Yeah, like a couple more laps or something. But, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's just what blows me away about people that, you know, nowadays, you know, they say, oh, that, that's dirty riding or that's that. No, David wanted to win just as bad as I did. And he went in there, tried to force the envelope, and it didn't open. And, uh so, I mean, yeah, I mean, nowadays guy would go over there and just get into other guys. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? You're trying to take me out, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I didn't go over to David's thing. He, he's bad enough. He, I, I, I thought to myself, man, poor guy, he's probably bummed that he went down because he just lost his race because yeah. of that move, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, Um He rode great for sure. Yeah. And, and, and like we said, you uh, – do you ever remember leading a main event? A 250 Supercross main event? Yeah, yeah. You let a few? Yeah. Yeah, got a yeah. few starts? Okay. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, later on. You this had to year, be getting uh, wide-eyed, though. You, Glover had that line that we were joking about, and you almost made the move. I mean, was that running through your mind? Like, oh, it's Daytona. I'm about to get the lead. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, that's uh, – but then on the other hand, I'm thinking, God, if I just 
I crash or something, now I'm screwed, you know, because mm-hmm. Daytona was one of those races where you had to be focused the yeah. whole race. If you weren't, you could go down real quick. Like, you know, you saw, I think Mickey Diamond went down, Wardy went down, yeah. uh, Bone, Bone went, went down. down yeah. yeah, a lot of guys went down. So that's a race that could come up and bite you, you know, as opposed to a traditional Supercross because you knew, okay, this is the turn right. and, and this is how it's going to be every right. lap where Daytona was changing constantly. Um, yeah, and you can see it, Weege. The suspension. Oh, RJ almost goes down like yeah, four RJ times. has a big old endo. Yeah. yeah oh, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of RJ, Jim, so um, this is 86, his first year at Honda. Now, he's a great rider. He wins the 84 title, like we said. Uh, he almost wins the 82 title. So he's a very good rider. He takes his game to another level when he joins Honda in 86. And, be, and yep. you know, if he doesn't break his wrist in 89, we've done these before, these Lee at Re-Raceables. Sure. We say he wins another couple of years, a yep. bunch more titles. Yep. Very determined and, and, rider. Right. So the question, I guess, is in, in 86 at that time, Everyone's like, well, just look at fucking RJ. Like, he's the guy. Do you, did you see that coming? Was that a case of a Honda taking a guy's game to another level? Was that Rick maturing more? Like he, I, I think he, it was a combination of okay. both. You yeah. know, Rick maturing and also Rick going to Honda, which was the elite team at that time. Yep. And just, you know, those two, that combination. Yep. And with Brian Lunas' mechanic and stuff, it just it, yeah, it it, took off. It just seemed like everyone was – he. I mean – just he became the a legend at yeah. this point. You know, yeah. he won uh, b- two titles in '86, two titles in '87. Yeah, and you, if, know? you know, Danny Storback didn't land on him and yeah. jack his wrist yeah. up. And I mean, I guarantee you, if Danny landed on the the, the uh, left hand, yeah, Rick still would have probably won a couple times. It yeah. was just the, that the wrist, right the hand, the wrist it had to be fused together, and you yeah. had to put his elbow up, grip, right. come down, and, you know, he had no no range of motion in that yeah. wrist. So um, if it would have been the other one, the clutch one, you can yeah. get away with that. But it, unfortunately, it was the throttle hand. Did everybody like him? Was Rick a popular guy? Like, yeah, uh, I liked he, him. I mean, he was a bit of a showman for sure, but, like, did everybody, like, say, ah, cool. Like, like you know, like, if Barsha started winning today, there'd be, a, like, be doing like a Rick Johnson. There'd be some guys in the pits who are like, I hate, I hate this guy, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's, you know, whatever, he's Justin Barsha. Uh, Eli's a little more reserved. I don't know if I think everybody respects Eli, but I don't know if he's like a, a very popular guy. Let's say, but if a- Aaron Plessinger started winning, yeah, the pits would be everyone would ecstatic. be super ecstatic. Yeah. So where were we at with RJ winning at this time? I mean, everybody was. Well, they're I mean, saying, "Oh no, yeah, y- you know, yeah, yeah. he's oh. he's with Honda." And- <laughs> God, now it's just, yeah, right. we, we can't beat him. It's yep. just, he was one of those. And, and everybody liked him, though. Everybody liked Rick. Oh, yeah. For the everyone, most part. Yeah. I mean, not everybody yeah. likes everybody, but yeah, yeah I mean, for the I, most part. I, yeah, I grew up with Ricky racing right. mini bikes. He was a few years younger than me, so but he was always at those World Mini Grand Prix yeah, yeah. and stuff. So he was, uh, you know, just a little bit. But, you know, one time I, I did see Brock, he did have a, a, a really good time in Japan. It was me and Brock and Ricky and. I think maybe a couple other. We went to a Shakey's Pizza. Okay. And remember Shakey's Pizzas? They had like uh, your hats all the way around the whole thing. Well, we took all those hats down and we were just smashing them over our heads. <laughs> the poor little Japanese guys were just going nuts. And we, we, we left them. We paid for everything. Don't get me wrong. We paid for everything we destroyed, whatever, how many yen it was. 10,000, 20,000 yen, whatever we paid. Uh, but uh, I remember Brock was in on that one. And, and like you said, yeah. Brock's like uh, Eli yeah. Tomac. Yeah. He, he's yep. he's, he's kind of to himself. He was, But he cut loose that he night, did. Brock. Okay. Yeah, I remember wow. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, 
it just Jim has a like a, a filing cabinet in his mind of Japan stories. Yeah, just, yeah. this is what this guy's story was yeah, in Japan, and yeah. this is what that guy. It's just never ending. Just uh, open the filing cabinet. And Glover told us uh, one time he had a Honda contract in '85, and he didn't sign it, and just didn't do any. One of his regrets, he could have gone to Honda in '85. Yeah, you know? I think you know? he was loyal to Yamaha, like I was loyal right. to Yamaha. You know, I I think that he kept thinking that they were going to make changes, yeah. and they didn't make the changes that he wanted or yep. to to make that bike better. I mean, I remember one time Brock came in and and at a race and. Uh, Man, he just let loose on the engineer, the Japanese engineer. Really? Yeah. yeah, this bike is just a piece of shit. You yeah. guys don't know what you're doing. Blah blah blah. And just so went, wow, man, poor yeah. little Japanese guy. I thought he was gonna cry. <laughs> you know, uh, there was a story of hacking Carla Chris trying to dig a hole and bury his bike yeah. that one time. Yeah. Um, uh, your dad was. Yeah, but that's my point here. Yeah. We, dude, five bad races these days, and dudes are looking to looking at other teams. And is this guy gonna leave? Yeah. You guys gave it like five years. Yeah, I mean, we, we stayed. The only team that I had left was Can-Am. <laughs> yeah. I, I did leave well. Can-Am halfway through the season, but it was mutual. It was both of them because they had, uh, you know, after my uh, rookie season being with Yamaha, a few races, then Mugen and all that stuff, uh, then I got a Can-Am factory uh, ride. And I said, well, and no your one. teammate? Juan Benavides. Oh, and John Martin. Yeah, well, Johnny was on yeah, the off-road yeah, yeah, side but, but, of things. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Martin, Alex, and, and Jeremy's dad was on the – I remember testing in Gainesville with him. He'd cut out a loop, yeah, and, yeah. and I'd be on the motocross track and stuff. But Johnny was a good guy. Um, but I, I, I just remember that, you know, they did – those can-ams were so good in the, in the mid-'70s with Jimmy Ellis and winning a lot of races. And then they brought Jimmy Weinert back. Uh, the year before through Colby Honda mm -hmm. and Can-Am, they were a, a dealer and they ran the factory effort. Um, and then they said, hey, we want to go. And and I just, uh, it, it just, the bike wasn't, yeah. the, the Japanese had just, and they were already at the top of the hill and we were still at the bottom and they didn't want to make the changes uh, mm -hmm. that we, a lot of guys, uh, you know, Hannah, a few guys, you know, they would come up to me and they say, Hey man, we like following you out there in practice, man. You're doing, you know. I go, why are you following yeah. me? I'm a rookie. You know, I should be following you. Well, we like it because when you go ahead of us, the Can Am was so low at that time, it would scrape off the tops of the whoops, <laughs> so it make the whoops nice and smooth for them. I'm thinking, yeah. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. You're you like, know. oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the one time we told Can Am, and I was so excited, it was uh, the Kansas City Supercross. Mm -hmm. Flying Tigers, we went down to the shipping and picked up the new bike. The new bike's here. The new bike. Yeah. We told him, hey, you got to raise up the, the cradle of the frame. It, yeah. It's way yeah. too low. It's We're not dirt track out here. Yeah. We're motocross, supercross. Uh -huh. We got to get it up. I got the bike right. I went to kick it. I couldn't kick it because the frame hit the the thing, uh, I had to bump start the motorcycle like a dirt track. They just oh they just God. left the ratio the same and dropped yeah. put, put the frame up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I just you know I stalled it in one of the races. I'm trying to push start it in a super. I just you know there was a lot of things that finally led right. up to. I don't know if you remember the Can-Ams, but they had uh, the uh, on the backbone of the. Uh, frame yeah. they had the inductions where the air okay, would yeah, go yeah. in and push the air into the yeah. air box right. well 
that would work back then, but now we're jumping Supercross. Uh, we would rake out the frame. Poor Juan Benavides at Saddleback, he busted off a front end. Oh, jeez. And uh, then we had to gusset it all. There, it was just – and Can-Am just said halfway through, they said, you know yeah, what, uh, we're we'll not, pay you yeah. all, the rest of your contract and, you know, but – We're, we're going to keep John Martin and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Johnny <laughs> finished out with him. But um, you strong know, motor, though. So, 86, 4th of Daytona. This is the Lee at Reraceables. 86 – L.A. Coliseum, fifth. Yeah. Uh, sixth overall in Supercross points in 86. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. I lost my ride. You know where I'm going. And Weed, yeah. you've heard this story. You get sixth in 250 Supercross. You get eighth in the 500s. You're fifth in 250 Motocross. Okay. Great year. You're number 10 overall. Yeah. You were number 12 to number 10. Yeah. And you lose your ride. Yeah. I was paid to win races. Oh, God, yeah, Jimmy. Just go. stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> you guys, this is the whole point. You don't get mad when people hit you. You don't get. You don't flip out when your bike is superior, inferior. And if you get fifth in points and you lose your ride, you don't flip out over that. Like, it was a hard era back then. You guys yeah, just took it on the chin. Yeah, it's Fifth different. and sixth in yeah. 250 Supercross and Motocross. Yeah. And see you later, Jimmy. Yeah. You lower your number. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Yamaha lets you go. I mean, ta- oh, God, I was still mad about it. You should have left. But, you know, if you, if you leave in 87, if you get mad and you leave, then maybe the ultra-cuss stuff that you transition into doesn't happen for you for Yamaha, and you make a bunch of money and you win those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they're like, I'm not going to help you. You know, who knows? Yeah. But, I, I, yeah. I'll never forget that the, uh, uh, they're trying to tell me to go ride ultra-cross. They say, look, it's like a fishbowl. You could be the only fish yeah. getting in on this ultra cross. Yeah, stuff. yeah. <laughs> and here's some bon- here's some bonuses if you win. Yeah. And I'm thinking, all right, this is looking good. All right, I can go a couple more years, you know, yeah. racing before I got to hang it up. Well, this is really 86 is your last great year. Yeah. Um, you you get injured a yeah. little bit in 87. Uh, you go to ultra cross. You start doing you start doing part time. I stuff. think 87 was my last year AMA. Yeah. I was done. Yeah. And I remember. Because I went to Canada, and uh, I think it was Montreal. I didn't win that year in 87, but I, I made good money, start yeah. money. Because I won Montreal Supercross 88 and 89. Yeah. But 87, I, I drove all night to get down to Binghamton, New York, and I raced the 500 National that day. I can't remember what I got. But anyhow, yep. that's back when you lined up in the payout window and they paid you cash. Mm-hmm. And I opened <laughs> up my envelope, and I had like 300 or 400 bucks. And in the other envelope from Canada, I had thousands of dollars. I said, oh, this is my last, last <laughs> national, guys, my last AMA race. I'm strictly going to go do international events yeah. now. Yeah, you, you know? did a few results, but, yeah, it was just a yeah. part-time thing. Yeah. So, so 86 was your last well, great year. And, yeah. and that's a key right there because if you did stop totally, yeah. then the, the other promoters around the world won't call you. So yeah, I had to do, do a couple AMA stuff, stuff to yeah. you know kind of yeah. keep my name out there. Right. Hey, I remember, Jimmy, I don't remember this, but 88 Anaheim, you like jumped some quad in a heat race and took the lead. And I think you even fist pumped yep. in the heat. It was awesome. The crowd was going nuts. It was like two laps of glory. It was so good. Do you remember this? Yeah, that's back when Anaheim was like 70,000 people. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I did this insane jump and I, I passed for the lead and I said, yeah, I'm up in the air and I go, 
hey, I got this. I might as well just pump the fist because I know I'm going <laughs> to land this thing. If I was going to come up short, I wasn't let, taking my hand off the handlebar. If I was going to over jump it, I wasn't taking my hand. Yeah. But I was up in there and I knew, man, I'm going to stick this thing. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> pump, the, pump the fist and the crowd I don't remember nuts. that. I got to go back and watch. Yeah. 88 Anaheim. So that's, that's the race that doesn't count for points. I think they ran the 88 opener. It was Mickey Thompson and yeah, Goodwin and all that. Be, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, uh, but everyone was there. In, but, in sports, yes. I think it yeah. was or yeah. something back then. I'm going to go back and watch. Oh yeah, everybody was there. Like, yeah, you took the lead. It was it was awesome. The, uh, how did you maintain your relationship then? So you're off the factory team in '86, but clearly you kept the Yamaha thing going. So was it like you were a support rider? In yeah, 87 yeah, and no, in yeah. I got bikes number and parts 10. and number stuff. ten. Yeah. yeah, number ten. Nothing. <laughs> No B- salary. Bikes and parts and and uh, bonuses, real good bonuses and uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so ridiculous. Yeah. Who is uh, who's sixth place in uh, Premier Class points in Supercross right now? Everybody, Steve, do you know who's sixth? Uh, who's sixth in points? It's Cooper Webb, isn't it? Uh, no, Chase Sexton is oh. sixth in points yep. right yeah. now. So yeah. that's Sexton. that's what that's how the game has changed. Right, right. Yeah. Chase Sexton but, is but, making uh, over a million dollars a year, and yeah. Jimmy gets fired. But but the difference between <laughs> Chase Sexton is. He led all the way until a lap and a half to go, and he's the one at Supercross ah. before. And, he, you know, he, he's uh, right. he, he he's the guy, you know. I mean, uh, he just – at sixth, he shouldn't be there. I mean, he just unfortunate. Paid to win, Weech. Paid to win. I'm, try- yeah. I'm trying to help you out here, Jimmy. Come on. I know. Yeah. He's not having it. He's not having it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, great year, 86 for you for sure on the yeah. factory Yamaha. And, like I said, you followed that fourth up with a fifth at L.A. Coliseum. So, yeah, yeah things were things were rolling for you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they so, were. I know. mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with you, Steve, a little bit on this. Yeah, I did get the rug pulled out from underneath me. Yeah. Because I, I think that I, I could have, now that I got a year under my belt, now I know how the game is played, now I know what I got to work yeah. on to make it better for 87. Um, yeah, how old are you at this point? Oh, like you're know. 24, 25. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. like I'm saying, like no, you're not I'm still a, young. Yeah, they're not letting you go because yeah. you're older or no, anything. No. You're still in your prime yeah, of, yeah. of racing. So yeah, I you mean, know. you know, what, what are you gonna do? You're gonna feel bitter and and, and be uh. pissed off and you know mope around and so, I, I, that's not my demeanor. I'm not. I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. Have fun. I mean, look at you know with uh, the broadcasting that I did. You know, when I retired from Feld, you know, COVID hit. I didn't work. You know, budget cuts. What what am I gonna do? So. So they call me and they say, hey, can you do the track walk thing for five or six rounds? Absolutely. I get to hang out with you guys in the press box last weekend in uh, Minnesota. So, you know, I, I mean, what, what am I going to do? Say, mm-hmm. screw Supercross. I'm never going back. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that, you know. No, I'm, I'm not that type of a guy. You know what a good year in 87 was rollerball. He did, Made yeah. the podium at Binghamton, yeah. Redbud, Hangtown. Yeah. Oh, rollerball, a good year in 87. Ross he, was a great rider in the outdoors. He was really strong in the outdoors. Took took, took Jimmy's. Uh, mo- he, he probably was angry for you, and then he took it out on everybody else. The rollerball. That's thanks, that's Ross. Um, <laughs> Lee at Reraceables, eighty six Daytona. Thank you, Pro Taper and uh, Scott and Max's tires. Anything else, Weege, about this race or? Well, I would love more Japan stories or Daytona stories, but maybe <laughs> some of them have to stay off the air. <laughs> That's for that's for Kiefer after dark. <laughs> oh, I don't, oh. I, we can't allow this. We can't we can't allow you two to combine forces. Oh no, they Look did out. last night. We did last night. Oh, oh, no. I've yes. never been on one, oh. but it was awesome. And we had a beautiful girl. Uh, uh, what y- Talent, y- Talent. Talent's girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call him his girlfriend. They, they, they I don't know. His girlfriend, a- but she was on too. That that was awesome. Yeah. 
<sighs> Jim, you're made for those moments. You're <laughs> put on this earth for yeah, things what, like this. What's uh, Mar- uh, Marks? Marks, yeah. He said, hey, this is the most I've seen Jim get excited. He when did. This, Marks, when this. <laughs> Marks is like, Jimmy's <laughs> face has not been this excited all so long. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, good day for you in Daytona. Congratulations yeah, on all you. your success. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they shouldn't have let you go. I know. I, I'm going to continue to pound that <laughs> pound that drum forever. We just probably heard me say it 14 that, times. That, I'm, I'm going to tell my kids, Weege, when I die on my headstone, yeah. Yeah. Yamaha should have never let him go. Yep. Uh, yeah, that amongst other things. you got a lot to explain. There's no <laughs> doubt. you got a lot to explain. Uh, 86 Daytona, Lee at Re-Raceables. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. Good stuff for Jim. He's he's a he's a beauty, as you know, Weege. You've worked with Jim, and, and he, he he was a like – a, like, dude – Fifth and sixth and sixth in the three series in 86, and he loses his ride. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Well, this goes back to my point on on the retro stuff. Like, I love the way these bikes look. I love the way these bikes sound. You know, this is right around the era when I was a kid and I was starting to watch this stuff. So I absolutely have a soft spot in my heart, and many things are awesome. Um, But we tend to forget the things that weren't, which is there were not even close to the same amount of factory rides. I mean, you could say in a normal Supercross main now, what, 16, 15 of the dudes have, like, rides and they're making money and they can they have practice bikes and practice mechanics. 15 guys, probably no problem. Uh, 14? Yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. talking about the Cade A-Ray no, level yeah, guys. I'm right. talking about, like, no, yeah. uh, the Rocky no. Mountain ATVMC guys, Brayton. Like, these are not even full factory teams, all that stuff. No, I read it was way better back in the day. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Everything was better (laughs) back then, and now the sport is dying. Dude, there's like eight factory rides available. Total. Total. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, if you get sixth in the series, you're probably getting the boot. Where now, if you get sixth in the series, you're awesome. You're fine. You're still making good money. Um, The sport is not dying. The sport is actually bigger than it was back then. I know that sounds insane because if you were 18 years old in 1986 and you had an 86 CR250, it was the greatest thing ever. I get it. But most of the guys in this main event are privateers making no money or contingency money. Yep. It's better now. Yep, it's better now. Uh, Jim's yep. great, though. Fourth place for Jim, Daytona 86. Jim, you showed up a photo of him getting run into uh, by Bailey. Yeah. And Jim even had a technique to not get knocked out. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Yeah. He said, you have to have your right shoulder really strong. So when the guy runs into you, his left arm collapses and pulls his own clutch in, so he'll fall. <laughs> That's <is> amazing. <laughs> you learn that? Do you think you learn that with roller? Probably. Yeah, probably. The gnarly uh, battles. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah. All right, should we get into categories? Yes, I just, I just want to marvel one more time okay. at watching Bailey and Johnson in this rough terrain. Like it's just, yeah, it's freaking unbelievable. It's great. Like. How good they are, or how gnarly it is. Like it's just—I don't know how they could do one lap without being exhausted. <laughs> it's um, a whole other level. So we I just want to say that again. Okay, thank you. We can't find the top forty results from this race. We need to call Doris at the AMA or somebody. Yeah, there are just twenty results in Cycle News, twenty results on the Vault, twenty results where any anywhere I looked. Uh, I really want to get the full list of main event guys, but we can't. But uh, that's that's all we got right now. So, eighty-six Daytona. Um, all right, Lee at Racing, uh, Lee at Re-Raceables, categories, Liat.com. Again, send us an uh, email if you want, and we'll send you uh, a code to save it, Liat. Reach, Weege, who really won the, who really won the race? Uh, I'm going to go with Bailey, actually. Um, 
because he was the fastest guy. So I'll give it to him. RJ will get his due for sure. But uh, Bailey came from like 30th to second. Um, he rode amazing. So I'm going to go with that. Well, after this race, the point gaps is 23 between RJ and Bailey. And mm-hmm. obviously we know he doesn't go on to win the championship. RJ does. But yes, this could have been a disaster for Bailey um, in points as far as points goes. Um, yeah. So yeah, he was coming from, again, I don't know, I would guess around 30th. Age, probably. Uh, who knows? Because it was just a tight camera shot, but there were bikes everywhere in front of him. Uh, yeah. He he really won the race. Yeah, I, I got to go with that. I, I think that's right. Um, So who's that guy award on the re-raceables? Uh, they're really, again, we have the top 20 from the 250 class, and there's nobody. It's it's a, it's a You know everybody. It's all the big names uh, in the sport. Shout out to Mark Murphy for ninth, by the way. Florida owned. But, Weege, when you go into the 125s, which was a 125 – East Coast race. This is the second year of the of the 125 format. There's so many guys that could be who's that guy award to me. Yes. Anyways, like, like there's a ton of them. Shout out though, uh, uh, if you read the second news description, uh, Mike Bias, who was a Morgantown favorite. Yeah, arena cross specialist. Mike uh, Bias. He he worked into third, but he landed on Mike Jones, and Bias oh. was shaken up, and Jones was transported to the hospital. So from the race or just from something he did Friday night? <laughs> think from the race, but think oh, okay. of, think of the PA Morgantown Virginia connections between Mike oh. Bias and Mike Jones right there. Must have been crushed. Right. Yeah, maybe West Virginia's best racer ever. Yep. I think maybe Mike Bias. Davey would have to confirm. Yep. And then yeah, about an hour up the road, Mike Jones, of course, from Steel City, mm-hmm. like literally on the property. Yep. Uh, battling. Yeah. yeah, battling. So. But there is no doubt the 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 um, who's that guy award. I mean, you can pick somebody else. Uh, there's a guy who gets third in 125 Supercross, so stands <laughs> on the podium, named Tim Bile. Brill. Brill. Sorry. Tim Brill. And he is on a Cowie, and I have never heard the name Tim Brill in my life. And shout out to Tim Brill for getting third at Daytona. Like I would still be running that around right now as we speak, but good job, Tim Timothy Brill. So I clicked on his name in the uh, on the RacerX Online results and or the vault. It all does the same, and uh, he has three Supercrosses to his name: Daytona the year before, and then Atlanta and Daytona in '86. That's it. So this was so unsophisticated back then. How much you want to bet? This is a guy from New York State that he's just like ah. Oh, you know, I drove down to Daytona and got to race in some good weather in 85. I'm going to do Atlanta and Daytona in 86 just so I can ride in the sunshine. Oh, I got on the podium. All right, I'm good. <laughs> right? Right? Like, like that's it? That You're not going to race it. ever again? No. Like, like just that. to get out of the cold of uh, New York, I'm just going to go down to race this uh, event at a NASCAR track in Florida. Third, podium. And you've never, never raced yeah. again. And he's from New York. Or as a pro. Nothing in the Nationals, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? What the now, <laughs> who's that guy? He gets that award. Now, the fourth place guy in Cycle News is listed as Brian McClassy. M-C-C-L-A-C-Y. And I'm like, who the hell is that? But if you look at the vault, it's Brian McElroy. So just just an error there. Yeah, is that a typo? I mean, yeah, McElroy yeah. Dude, dude my, name is, my name is spelled wrong a few times on Cycle News. And I'm like... I, I don't know. I just put my, you know, I know how to spell my name. So I, I definitely wrote it right, you know. 
Oh, okay. So I just think these people, the people who enter the names. But anyways, Brian McElroy oh, okay. gets fourth. Um, we did... A classy. That sounds like what you'd have on the back of your uh, helmet or pants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, McClassy. McClassy. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go further back than Timothy Brill, and I, and we don't but because he got third, and that's awesome, uh, you can go further back, and there are so many guys. Joe Zamperini, never heard of him. Steve Hendricks, I have heard. Mike Barnes, never heard of him. He was uh, 11th. There's so many guys in 125 class that you've just never heard of. Yeah, Lauren McRae, Gerald Wood. Oh, my gosh. 17th place, John Greaves. That is the famous Johnny Greaves, the off-road truck racer. You've heard that name, right? No, no. Oh, yeah, like one of the legends of like the short course off-road racing actually, actually went on to have a hellacious rivalry with Rick Johnson, as a matter of fact. Really? <laughs> That's off-road truck guys. Yeah, Johnny Greaves, and now his son is like the star nowadays, but Johnny still races himself. He told me he raced motocross. He never mentioned like this level. <laughs> that's that's a high level. You know, he was in the main event. He got 17th in the 125 class. Johnny Greaves. Most people listening to this have probably heard his name. He's one of the legends. No, I know Walker Evans and, and uh, Ivan Stewart. That's that's. A, I believe yeah. uh, Iron Man actually was – Ivan Stewart was one of the guys that, like, oh. got him got him going, almost like a protege, so to speak. Update from Davey Coombs. Uh, Mike Bias is not the best racer ever from WV. It is Steve Childress. Did not realize Steve Childress was from West Virginia. He was good. Yeah, Steve Childress was legit. Yeah, he had some podiums. So, yep. so better than Bias, I yep. guess. Um, so Bias but, is second best. But uh, So who's that guy award? Um, yeah, St- Timothy Brill. God. Now, can I mention this Go now? ahead. Is Go ahead. Time? Yeah, start start now because we, we'll, we'll give you 20 minutes here. Okay, thank you. So sixth place in the 125 class on a Yamaha. On a Yamaha. This is not a typo. My, my mind is blown right now. Young, up-and-coming, hotshot talent from Bayville, New Jersey, Barry Karsten. In his second career Supercross, he had made Atlanta the week before. Did anyone know, Steve, that in this, his second main event, where he finishes sixth, he would go on to, to this day, lead in all-time starts in this class? It all started here. one. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. Yep. This is like being at the second game of Cal Ripken's you know, all-time, right. you know, baseball right. strike right. of 2000 games. Exactly before. like that. Yeah, exactly yes. like that. This um, is the second race ever for Barry, who's the now the all-time. This is a legit stat. More 125 or 250F mains than anyone in history. Right here, started Daytona. And uh, Barry, there's a photo of Barry on a Yamaha. I've seen it. I don't know if it's in an old magazine or in an old Cycle News. There is a photo existing of Barry on a Yamaha. Wow. Um, it's It's Weird. very ultra-rare because 87, this next year, would be his first on Suzuki. After this. And still sticking with it. And still running it. And now Corey continues the legacy. Yes, his son was racing a Suzuki just a couple days ago in Minneapolis. Right, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Barry. Sixth place. So this is his second main ever, and he's sixth. Good job, Barry. And if you... Well, we'd have to have Davey on one time to really discuss what these days of 125 Supercross. As you mentioned, yeah. it's only the second year of it. Mm-hmm. I think it very much was the, like the East and West. Like, don't you feel like it very much was like an almost local, regional level oh, you event? Don't, you don't think these guys are making two fifty a year and, and taking dives <laughs> and pulling pulling down and being thirty years old? You don't think you don't think so? No. I mean, okay. I don't even know were any of these guys considered factory riders. I mean, Titchener's in there on a Cowie. I'm sure he was like a team green. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. He yeah, got sh- second. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Schmidt. But Schmidt he's wins not the West. Like, right. 
Right. But I don't think Titchener, he's not Wardy's no, teammate. No. No, none no. of them are, I don't think. No. Um, so it's come a long way. Lit Kid Award, Liet Reraceables. It's only one guy in my mind, but who you got? Oh, who's yours? Oh, Bailey. Flow orange JT stuff that he wore in Anaheim. He wore it again this week, this race here. Yeah, flow flow orange stuff. JT ALS helmet can't be beat. Cannot be beat. Uh, uh, Bailey by far. You know what? I, I've you've heard me just talk about how I'm not all about retro. Yes. And because of that, I wasn't all about that JT revival years ago. Oh, we know. But I have to say, Bailey's gear is freaking good, man. Yeah, I, I never thought I would pick JT, but I, I can't. Like, RJ's Fox stuff always looks good. It looks good in this, but he's just wearing blue pants and a white jersey. It's nothing special. No, no, no. He's running the uh, red and blue. He's running the USGP look with no matching jersey. Well, yeah, the pants are blue. Is it have red? No, white, red no, 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 no. They're half red and half blue. Oh, I'm only watching from the front or from the back. Sorry. Yeah, yeah they're half red the and back, half it's blue. All blue. Okay. They're, they're red on one leg. I'm almost positive. But the point is, he's just wearing like a plain white jersey. Yes, just Bailey's with a plain white jersey. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, um, Bailey's stuff is good. I'm, I rarely do this, but I'm going to put JT at the top. JT Racing, congratulations, Litkit. <laughs> By far, right? Uh, Holly, Holly running the O'Neill, Scott, and, and 2022, Holly still running Arai, Scott, and O'Neill, in case you're wondering. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the most loyal guy in the industry. Right, right. And um, Yamaha, of course. Well, as, as we talked about, like if he had ditched them because he got pissed and threw them the middle finger in 87 when they dropped him yeah. and got on a yep. Honda, which was a better bike, there yep. was no doubt, then maybe Yamaha doesn't help him for ultracross and he makes tons of money in that, you know, when he kind of ends up being done in uh, Supercross Motocross. So, you know, there may, maybe there is something to what Jim was saying. Well, Jim, to this day, like I was talking to him at Glendale a couple weeks ago and he just picked up a new bike from Yamaha. Like it's been a long relationship. They got, yes, they might have quote-unquote, fired him for the factory team, but he's been in the family and has gotten, you know, he's trained riders for them, which I'm sure they paid. Yeah, Jim's done just just fine with Yamaha, even post the factory ride. Uh, Lee at Re-Raceables category, where's JT? Um, is he born yet? Is he born right around now? No, he's not that young. I'd say he's seven years old. But uh, what are the chances? JT's probably there. Why not drive over? Frank and Cindy are there for sure. Yeah, if it's seven year old JT, why would you not go to Daytona? Why would I? I, I would. Uh, how much time we got here? All right, uh, last category. Um, wow, this one's the Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best. That you have no idea. I mean, automatic. We should actually name it the Timothy Brill Award. This should be renamed the Timothy Brill Award. <laughs> What is it about Daytona? I mean, the Jacob Marsak Award comes from yeah, Daytona. I never thought of that, right? Yeah, Daytona, but, um, where dreams come true. The only way that I think Marsak holds on to the category is because he did it in, in the 250 class, 450 class, you know, and Brill did it in the 125 regional. But So let's keep it with Jacob Marsak. But uh, we'll yes. take a vote with the committee and see if they want to rename it okay. the Timothy Brill Award. The more surprising result that you had no idea happened. So I'm going to go, yeah. uh, look, outside of Brill, uh, that's, like you said, it, it's it's a regional class. It's very hit and miss and all that. So good job for Timothy Brill. But I'll, I'll take my guy from the 250s. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Johnny Greaves, finishing 17th of the Daytona Supercross, which I had no idea he raced at that level. Oh, there's quite a few. Made some nationals. Spring Creek, 1984. Um, Spring Creek, 85. How about how about you, Johnny Greaves? You need to be a little less modest about. Yeah, I grew up. I raced dirt bikes growing up. That's kind of what he, modest about. That's that. kind of what he said. 
yeah, he said he's into motocross, raced motocross growing up, but um, never mentioned I had a pro license and I made nationals and supercross mains. Do you think that maybe this is not the right Johnny Greaves? Or it has to be? Nah, it's even from the same town and everything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. Yep, yep um, from Wisconsin. Well, I would be tempted to go with Rollerball, uh, the Canadian hero, but he got sixth, um, and he's made the podium in outdoor nationals. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's a, a legit guy to go with. Um, so I'll probably go... Mark, sixth is pretty good, dude. Sixth is good. I know. And Alan King got fifth. Alan King, a very, very underrated rider. Trying to do a podcast with him for two years now. Not oh. interested in doing a podcast. Has no desire. Multiple people have asked him. Alan King does not care about my stupid podcast. Okay. So can't okay. can't really get Alan King on to talk about it. He was one of my favorite guys growing up. And, uh, you know, especially I felt like he got kind of robbed out of that uh, Suzuki ride. Um after he after he won Carlsbad uh, in the early eighties, but he's gotten King has gotten second in nationals before. Supercross was not his forte. He won Hangtown on a Team Tam bike. Alan King did. Um, yeah, but I'll go. I'll probably go Mark Murphy. Uh, Mark Murphy was more of an outdoor guy. He's a local Florida dude. Ninth place in this race. Um, he was one of Jim Hawley's buddies. They were they were really good buddies. I'll go Mark Murphy because he was more of an outdoor guy and a five hundred national guy at that. Um, okay. So, so I got to think in 1986, if you're Mark Murphy and you get top 10 at Daytona and you're from Florida, this was awesome. Had to be. So I'll go Mark Murphy for the Jacob Marsak award, but honestly, it's Timmy, mm-hmm. it's Timothy Brills. Yeah. He needs all awards. He needs both. Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim Brill getting third should be the sweep of all awards here. Even right. Litkit. I don't know what gear he had on, yeah. but he probably was Litkit. Let's just give him everything. The only reason not to take a little shine off Timothy Brills' third is, you know, McElroy got fourth, Mark Melton fifth, a rookie Barry sixth. Jones and Bias are in the hospital, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, it says Turpin, uh, Tishner had a 28-second gap on, on Brill. Yeah. <laughs> so Turpin won by 18 seconds. Tishner beat Brill by 28 seconds. So, again, not shitting on Brill's podium, but I'll just, you know. Any quotes from Brill? No quotes from Brill. Brill did not say, <laughs> yeah, I'm retiring. I'm good. I'm done. I'm never going to race another professional race ever. I, I, I talk about my four Manitoba titles incessantly. Can you imagine if I'd gotten third in an oh in, in, in 86 Daytona 125 class? Oh my God! And even though even though I got beat by twenty eight seconds uh, by Ronnie <laughs> Tishner, it doesn't matter. I mean, unbelievable. So I feel like Tim Brill yes. should be running this thing all day long. But um, all right, everybody, uh, good race, good day in Daytona, eighty six Daytona. Jim Holly's career best supercross finish, fourth place, uh, a really good race. Thank you to Liet, Scott, Max's Pro Taper, Weege. Anything else? Race uh, according to the banners on the side of the track was on USA Network. So. Things coming full circle. Oh, yeah. Surprise USA Network when uh, Supercross had to move back over there this year because NBCSN is gone. Surprised I didn't bring up some old Larry Myers, Bob Hanna footage. Yeah. It's, it's where it all started. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, right? Super here we started are. started right here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. All right, man. Uh, well, what about oh. the, We joked about it with Holly. What about when Bowen goes down? Let's just know that flagging, this is not a new problem. Oh, Yeah. Jim comes. Bowen goes down. His oh. bike's laying on the back of like a, a giant mound that no one can see, and then it just becomes a thrill ride. Yep. Yeah. And, and and 
Keith, actually, we should have brought this up. Keith just bails on getting his bike. Like, I'm out. Yes. I am yes. out. Uh, <laughs> yes. And then there's four or five guys managed to, at the last second, escape. But some dude on a cowie gets absolutely launched. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't say who his name is. They no, don't care. No, he just no. launches into the stratosphere. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. About the worst no, possible nothing. about the worst possible spot that that you can um, that you can park or that you can crash. I mean, so yes, yeah. yes. And also, if you go back and watch, I tried to slow mo it and figure out who the number is. Oh, you did. R- okay, RJ. I couldn't figure out who the cowboy guy was. Then RJ comes across the finish, and there's a guy that's behind him that's lapped mm-hmm. and does like a huge cross up pancake. <laughs> nice, nice. Good like, job. I don't know. It's just like I'm pumped that I got to the checkered flag. Or, or maybe, or maybe if I do a whip, they'll think I got second. Like maybe, maybe because maybe, maybe just... comes rumbling across. Yeah, but yeah. this guy does a bigger whip than RJ after he gets lapped. <laughs> nice, like it. Yeah. Shout out to that yeah. guy. Shout out to that guy. Uh, oh, I wish I could tell the numbers, but obviously the footage is a little grainy. Yeah, it's not not great. Um, well, thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing. If you can review this pod in iTunes and subscribe, that would be fantastic for us. We're trying to get this pod out to more people. It's a lot of fun to do. And, of course, thanks to the legend that is Jim Hawley for doing this. All right, Weege. Good times. See See, you guys. See ya.